Hello and welcome to another episode of What We Talk About When We Talk About Tech with me, Rich, and my co-host, Jennifer. This week, we're talking to Mandy Moore, who is a podcast producer of a network of tech podcasts, including Greater Than Code. We were really keen to get Mandy on as a fairly new podcast. We thought she'd be able to give us some good tips and insights, but we also wanted to learn more about how podcasts are so important within the tech industry and why she thinks developers love listening to people talk about their work. Um, So, hi Mandy. Um, Thanks for joining us this week. Uh, How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you for having me. No, it's really great to speak to you. So thank you for being here. Um, I'm not sure if that was the best kind of most thorough introduction to you. So could you sort of explain for anyone listening who you are and what you do? Sure. So I'm Mandy. I'm the show manager and producer of Greater Than Code. But my ultimate title, I consider myself a proud single mom and ex-waitress turned entrepreneur uh, who is greater than code. So yeah, I also consider myself the de facto mother of Katzises. I have five. I did have seven, but unfortunately two passed away. My human child is 11 and we adopted a golden retriever doge right before the pandemic. So yeah, I specialize in podcasts and provide various services around production for several shows, including Greater Than Code. I'm big into women in tech, diversity, inclusion, and getting children involved in STEM education. And I'm also learning how to code in Python. But if I never get a job as a coder, it's totally cool. So definitely we have plenty to learn from you today, Mandy, as we're just very new in this podcast. So we'll definitely be learning a lot from you as well. But why Python? I don't know. I've been drawn to the community. I like the, the Python mascot, of course. But yeah, it just seems like a good introduction to programming. And I've had fun with it so far. I actually bought a couple of books for my daughter for Christmas one year, and they're considered children's books. So I've actually been going through these beautiful Python children's books. I think uh, one of them is called Coding Projects in Python. And I think another one is Coding Games in Python. Another one, uh, the first one I did was Bite Size Python. So I've been getting a lot of out of it. That's so important because that's kind of what we need. We need not derogatory things like Python for dummies, but things that <laughs> let more people of all levels access tech. And that's obviously a lot of your role as well, but you're taking advantage of what you're learning and teaching others. So that's great. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the fact that they're so colorful. I mean, they're like children's textbooks. It's They have pictures and <laughs> it's wonderful. So you're not a developer by background. But could you explain how you got into the industry and yeah, how you found your way into the field? Yeah, so I went to college right after high school, majored in professional writing and communications at Penn State. In 2009, I became a single mom. And that kind of threw me for a loop, but it's the best thing that ever happened to me. I was a waitress and that lifestyle and being a single parent was not the best. You typically make your the most money in the evenings when people go out to dinner because the food's more expensive and mostly people are going out to dinner. So I needed a job where I could not work 
crazy hours, like four to midnight, one o'clock in the morning. So I was looking for any kind of opportunity that I could work from home. And back in 2009, it wasn't that prevalent yet. Remote work wasn't cool yet. (laughs) There was no pandemic. Uh, So I just was browsing jobs on indeed.com and other places like that. And I came across a job posting that was asking for like a a quote unquote virtual assistant who it was a developer. He needed someone to schedule meetings and answer emails. And I was like, well, I could do that. So I applied and it turned out that it was Avdi Grimm, who is big in the Ruby community. I started doing work for him he had a podcast and I he was like can you edit my podcast and I was like what's a podcast (laughs) so that's when podcasting started was back then and so I taught myself basic audio editing skills I got better he was impressed with my work and he said that he had some friends and they were starting podcasts so it just kind of took off from there I, I started getting more clients I was able to quit my waitressing job and stay at home full time. And I, I did podcast it like a hybrid between podcasting production and then virtual assistants. So were, were like all of your clients, were they primarily like tech kind of clients? Yeah, that's where I just, since Avdi was in the tech world and he was a software developer, his friends were naturally in the tech world and software developers. So word of mouth, I just kind of niched down into the software and tech industry and went with that. So what was that like as an outsider coming to these topics that you maybe didn't know that much about? Was it quite daunting or did you sort of more have to kind of just throw yourself in there, I guess? Oh, absolutely. It was so confusing at first. I I had a lot a lot of times I had no idea what anyone was talking about. I remember in a podcast they were talking about yak shaving and I was like what is are these people shaving like literal yaks? And so I was just I I, I learned from there. I remember at one point I was really overwhelmed because these people, they seem, they're smart. And I was like, I have no idea what they're talking about. I feel so dumb. I told my dad, I was like, I don't think this is for me. I have no idea. And he's like, just, just keep with it. Just keep with it. So, you know, here I am uh, 11 years later and, you know, I understand what people are talking about now. And it was, you know, like with anything you learn, it takes time. So we'll go into a bit more depth about that later. But I'd like to know if with kind of like uh, more than a decade in the industry, like what has changed um, and sort of how has your approach changed as well? Oh, I've I've just seen so many programming languages, you know, the hot thing, you know, it was Ruby back then. I mean, Ruby is still prevalent today, but, you know, there's Python and, you know, JavaScript and all these other languages. Uh, I remember booking a lot of shows for a client that had to do with a lot of JavaScript libraries and a lot of those libraries are no longer around today. Things just seem to move very, very quickly in the industry. So you have to constantly kind of keep up. And that's a lot of the learning I do. And a lot of the keeping up has to do with just following people on social media and taking an hour or even two hours every now and then to just scroll through 
Twitter and see what people are talking about, which is, you know, kind of how I and why I consider myself in, you know, developer relations now. When did it go from you becoming, you just constantly learning by listening and the developers or your customers driving the topics to you starting to drive those topics? When do you think that clicked in? I kind of just started taking it amongst myself to see what people were talking about on social media and then booking shows around those topics. So if I saw people bring something up more than once and they were talking about it, I would find the person who seemed to be driving those conversations, reach out to them and book them for one of the shows I was doing. So after that, I started going to conferences because people were like inviting me to conferences. So I started doing a lot of traveling. I went to many, many conferences from, I'd say, 2016 to 2020. And uh, I just kept meeting people and I would listen. I'm, I'm a listener. So I can just sit there at a dinner and listen to people talk. And then I'll be like, you know, this sounds like something you should talk to this person about on this show. So I'm like a connector in that way. I oh. saw in your Twitter, you have the cause of scene guiding principles. Ironically, uh, coincidentally, I just interviewed Kim Creighton for a different podcast, mm. the new stack makers last night. So I see that. And I think that's very interesting to have it. It's a statement to have it, oh. your uh, cover photo. So tell us about oh, that and your work in that area. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a white woman. And obviously, there's been a lot of things happening and unfortunate things happening over the past few years at a national level, even on a global level, honestly, and being getting people. So I, I've started with greater than code. And I decided that we needed to have these conversations. So Kim Creighton is one of the biggest people I look up to. And one of the people I look to on Twitter to listen to and take action and amplify the voices of others, the Black, Indigenous, people of color groups. And I see my job as to just facilitate those conversations and shut up and listen. Absolutely. Oh. And just for people that don't know the guidelines we're talking about, the guiding principles of cause scene and anti-racist economist Kim Creighton is tech is not neutral, nor is it apolitical. Intention without strategy is chaos. Lack of inclusion is a risk and crisis management issue. And we must prioritize the most vulnerable. So how does that factor in? Tell us about greater than code and how that these coincide together. Yeah, absolutely. So Greater Than Code is a podcast that I started, I want to say 2017, might have been 2016, maybe it was even 2015. So it's been around for a good while. We're, I think we're on episode 224 and we release weekly. So it's been around uh, a long time. And uh, we're a podcast that invites voices of people who are not heard from enough in tech. So people like women, people of color, and queer folk. Um, we talk about the human side of software development and technology. So my goal and my job is to provide a vital platform
platform for these conversations to be had. And then the overall goal of the show is to develop new ideas about what means to be a technologist beyond just writing code. So, you know, the ethics and the morals that people have, the values, um, if we're not happy in our jobs and we're working for companies that do not have the same values and are not doing things the way that hopefully most of us feel they should be doing things, you know, we're speaking up and saying, you know, things need to change. And so we have a lot of conversations that center around best practices, best interview techniques, things like that. So what have you sort of learned in the last few years, both in terms of the tech industry, but also just in terms of the conversations you've had and the people that you've spoke to throughout the course of producing all these different podcasts? Yeah, it's just, I, when I started out, I did a lot of shows that had to do with technical things. Like we're going to talk about this library. What does it do? Why do we use it? All those things. I was more intrigued by the conversations that would go to quote unquote soft skills, which is a term that I don't really like using because I, I think it just, I think soft skills are important skills Mm -hmm. and So I started liking the conversations and through hearing some of my other shows, the best, well, most well-received shows were the ones where we weren't talking about particular tech things. It was more when people ventured off and talked about the the things behind the tech. So I've learned that everyone's got a story. Everyone's capable of change. And both technology and people have the capability to move fast if they want to. So I myself have done a lot of growing. I definitely was not the same person that I am 11 years ago to now. I have learned to use empathy and and I've just learned so much about the kind of person that I want to be. And I've learned a lot about, you know, the own biases I hold or have held that I've had to learn and I've had to, you know, search deep inside myself and recognize some hard things and take those things and change myself. And yeah, I've done a lot of inner soul work over the past few years. I'm really big into journaling and reading and I there's nothing more that I like to do on the weekends than just curl up with a book and just just read and then reevaluate my stance on, you know, certain political issues or moral issues or social justice issues, and then move that over to the platform and not myself talk about it, but give people who are, I, I say much smarter than me and the people that we should be listening to, I give them the platform. And as I said before, my biggest thing is just to shut up and listen, do what I can and amplify the voices of others because that's how we learn and that's how we grow. That's fantastic. And I was just thinking maybe podcasting shouldn't be for really technical because maybe that's the medium that people want Mm -hmm. to listen to other people and feel connections. And then when you're talking about something technical, people want to, depends on the way they learn, of course, but there's documentation, there's the written word step-by-step, maybe video with demo, but things are very visual and written versus auditory is maybe how we make relationships. So maybe that's why naturally 
greater than code evolved into that. Also, obviously podcasting matured dramatically and how we interact with podcasting and probably people may have sat down and listened to podcasts, but now most of us are, whoever's listening to this podcast is probably going for a jog or cooking or something. So I think it's interesting that you are talking about the human side of tech and how we learn about tech has evolved to, I think 50% of tech is human side because tech is so personal and it's in our lives. Absolutely. If you want to go and I don't listen to podcasts when I'm learning the Python skills, I'm either watching YouTube videos or I'm on sites like Code Academy or Udemy and I'm watching videos. I'm a visual learner. I'm not an auditory learner. When I'm listening to things, I want to listen to things and I want to hear them and I want to distill them in myself. So yeah, hearing people's stories, I think that's a better medium for the audio world. And if you're going to, if you want to talk about technical stuff, I think the video and, you know, screencasting is more appropriate. I also wanted to ask you about any notable guests you've had on any of the podcasts and just generally kind of things that have stood out for you in the last few years. Oh, sure. I There's so many. Um, I can just mm-hmm. go back and look through the catalog, but I will say that one of my first favorite shows was Scott Hanselman. Um, that was my first favorite episode. He talked about his background is so, he's just such a nice and humble guy and you know, you think when we, we tend to have this, I mean, as with celebrity culture, we have our big tech stars and I consider Scott Hanselman a big tech star. And to hear him going to places like the Salvation Army and looking around and spending hours there, just diving into picking up this and that. And it was just like, wow, like he's just one of us too, isn't he? <laughs> so yeah, that was one of my first favorite podcasts. Coincidentally, a few episodes episodes after that podcast, he reached out to me and now I produce Hanselman. So then we just did a recent show with my friend, Nicole Arshimbo, and she was talking about connecting during the pandemic by hosting Zoom parties. And it's just like a Friday night, she opens a Zoom room and people can bring a beverage of choice. She plays music on Spotify. We can request songs and you can talk about anything, not tech. I mean, some Sometimes the the conversation drifts over to those things, but really it's just a bunch of us in tech that have like-minded interests hanging out and it's been really great. And I attended a lot of those in the beginning and it was really a new, unique way to connect with people while we're all stuck at home. And then another recent episode, well, two recent episodes that I really liked, Cher did a great episode recently about recognizing her own white privilege, which I deeply related to. And then the same with Brandon Weaver. Uh, He's known as Keystone Lemur. He does a lot of talks in Ruby and he draws his own stuff. And it's amazing. I highly recommend anyone listening to this, go check out Brandon Weaver and just Google Brandon Weaver Lemur. But he shared his journey to becoming a quote unquote good person. You know, years ago, he talked about how he wasn't the same person as he is now. And I already talked a little bit about that with myself and how I've done a lot of personal growth since entering the tech scene. And he really went into that on his episode. Just to be clear, do you mean Cher like the singer Cher? No, Cher. She just goes by Cher. Cher in tech. 
Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I was very confused there for a minute. It's like, wow. Share the dev. Share the dev. Spelled the same way as share the singer, but she's at share the dev on Twitter and she's amazing. I highly recommend you follow her as well. Awesome. Thank you. I saw something you were talking about that struck with me is that when you talked about one of your first favorite episodes with Scott Hasselman, and then he turned into a client. I assume that happens often, right? That's definitely, I get obviously LinkedIn's a cesspool of lead generation messages about lead generation. (laughs) And I constantly get that. I'm like, nope, I'm a tech journalist. I everything's incoming. So how often, since we assume a lot of our listeners are in the tech storytelling space and in maybe tech marketing, how often do your clients and what is the path that they come from you interviewing them at some point? Some of it comes from interviews. Some of it just comes from, you know, social media, again, being active on Twitter and I guess a lot of people just catch on. They're like, oh, we're starting a podcast. They're like, you need to talk to Mandy more. And I guess it's a lot of luck that I got into the tech podcasting scene in 2009. I mean, I never thought I'd be here. Like I said, I went to school for journalism and communications. I mean, you can argue that I'm doing that kind of, but not in the in the aspect that I had originally planned. I, I planned on working for a magazine or a newspaper, that kind of thing. And now here I am doing audio podcasting stuff, but you know, it's a lot of, it's just word of mouth. And yeah, since everyone and their brother seems to be starting a podcast these days, people are just like, Nope, talk to Mandy, talk to Mandy. And a lot of those conversations do come out of, you know, work comes out of that for me. Absolutely. And I don't think it's luck. I think it's you. I think it's the work you're doing because you may have been lucky to get early on, but to continue, it's your own success. Thank you. So we've spoken a little bit about grit and code, but I wanted to ask you about kind of your other podcasts in the network and yeah, give you a chance to talk about them a little bit and explain what they're all about. Sure. So right now I am currently doing, as I said, Greater Than Code, Hansel Minutes. I do the Microsoft Azure for Experts podcast. I do three shows right now for New Relic. The developer relations team at New Relic is brand new and they're doing a lot with media. They're doing uh, a lot of Twitch streaming and then they're also doing podcasting. So I'm running their entire podcast network. So they have a show that has to do with observability. It's called Observey McObserve Face that my sh- my friend Jonan Scheffler hosts that podcast. And then we just started Launchies, which is for new developers. And then Polyglot, which is for... Polyglot is a podcast that targets middle and late career developers. And they have more technical discussions of higher level language concepts and software patterns. We touched on this earlier, but I wanted to ask you why you think podcasts are kind of so popular in tech communities. Like, why do they resonate? Why are they such a kind of important part of the media ecosystem in the tech world? I think the tech community really likes podcasts because they can listen to shows Mm -hmm. while they're doing coding. So, (laughs) yeah, it's kind of like having a TV on in the background. You can have podcasts on the background and, 
yeah. So you, and you can also, you know, when you're not working, you, people before, pre-pandemic, a lot of people commuted to work. So they would, it's like a radio show. It's a, like, a, I remember when I was in college driving to my university campus and having the morning show on, it's the same thing. It's just like being in the car and listening to your friends, having conversations and you can kind of just zone out. I mean, I, I listen to podcasts while I'm doing the dishes or I'm working out. So I think everybody also suffers from imposter syndrome in one way or another. So mm-hmm. people love listening to others, like just talk because I think how we all got here, like in tech is usually a story in, in amongst itself. Like I said, we, we tend to have our own celebrity culture in tech. So listening to people who you look up to, the Scots, the Avdis, it's just like, it pulls back the curtain a little bit and it's like, oh, they're awesome, but they're also just people too. Yeah, and I'd like to talk a bit more about that later. But before I do that, I want to kind of ask you a bit more about DevRel. So we've talked a lot about podcasting and podcasts, but um, I wanted to ask about, yeah, kind of what DevRel is to you, like how it kind of fits into your kind of professional identity and sort of yeah, what you think it means today within the tech industry. Yeah, so it's funny because I'm, I'm kind of still just recognizing myself that I work in DevRel because like before I'm like I really don't know like when people would ask me what I do I'm like I don't know I like do podcasts and they're they're like okay but I'm like well you know I'm kind of in developer relations because to me like developer relations means connecting people to technologies you connect people to languages you connect people to your products and your services but like most importantly like what I do is connect people to each other so like I said, when I, when I see, you know, this person talking about this on Twitter, I'm like, oh, this other person talks about this. I wonder if they know each other. And our panel at Greater Than Code, you know, it started off as five or six people. Now we have a rolling panel of 20 people. And if there's not somebody for everybody on that show, then I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of how you build communities, really. It's not sort of imagining a massive audience of people who, you know, want to buy something or want to do something. It's lots of individuals who each have kind of their own unique like perspectives and interests, but have a sort of common goal or a common interest. And then sort of linking them all together as like individual people. Yeah. And that's, we have a greater than code Slack community, which, you know, we started that just so we had a place for the panelists to have a one place where we could talk and coordinate as far as guests and times and shows. But now our community has grown. I think we have like six or 700 members in our Slack community and we have different rooms that you can talk about we have one for almost every language we have a random channel we have a mental health channel we have uh things i won't tweet but want to channel (laughs) (laughs) what is something over the last what is it i suck at math 12 years of podcasting uh that you've learned what mistakes did you make or that you can catch and help other people from making those mistakes like i said i i don't think that this it it's 2021 that we should be talking about you know technical concepts and trying to learn in a textbook sense from podcasts i think podcasts are more served broadly to everyone when we're just telling stories 
And we're empowering others to tell their own stories. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's empowering others to tell their own story. Everyone's got a story to tell. Everyone's come from somewhere. It's it's so interesting. You know, I, I used to think that my story getting into tech was unique. You know, I was just a, a waitress and working for tips and all of a sudden I'm in tech and I've heard so many people with so many more thought-provoking and interesting stories than I have. And it's 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 incredible how many people have started out doing one thing and then have found themselves in the tech community. Like technology is not going anywhere. That's that's a thing that I try to even tell my daughter who's 11 years old. Like you don't have to do exactly what mommy's doing, but you should definitely be in the tech world. Like, you know, now people people are getting paid to stream. People are getting paid to sit there and talk while they're playing video games. Like who thought that was going to be a career back in 2002 when I was in high school? You know, <laughs> like it, it, like people are, are getting paid. Like there's YouTube or like a YouTuber is a profession now. And that, that is just as much as being in tech as a coder, you know, a person who's a developer or an engineer, like there's just, there's so much opportunity in tech and I'm always trying to tell people. And that's why, I, you know, I think it's so important to get people in and to lower the barrier to entry for everyone to get in and have access to basic internet and even computers and just that there's all these awesome resources online where you can go and you can learn these things for free. Like it's, it's so great. What, so talking about your top job as a mom and as a single mom transferring to your technical job, what about being a single mom has made you excellent about your, at your job and why should the tech industry be working harder to hire and retain more single parents? For me, I, I have, I've found that I, I have a lot of drive and, you know, it's, it's very tempting to just be like, I don't feel like doing this today. I need to, I'm just going to turn on the TV and watch Netflix, but you know, I can't do that. So, you know, as a single mom, a one person income, I, I push myself, you know, I work a regular nine to five, you know, eight to four kind of hours. And I, and I have to tell myself like, this needs to get done. This needs to get done. But it's also super nice that, you know, I can make my own schedule. And if I have to go to a doctor's appointment, I can go to a doctor's appointment. Or if my daughter has something going on in school, I can pop out for an hour or two and make that happen. So I think that everyone has skills. I don't, I don't think that just single parents, people should be targeting single parents. I think people should target everyone. And, you know, whether that's younger people, I mean, people like my daughter, she's like I said, she's 11. We're, we're going to be relying on these people to take over the tech industry. And the more diversity we have with those people, the better, because we need all kinds of people working to make the industry a better place. Cool. Yeah, that's a really good answer. And it brings me quite nicely on to another question I wanted to ask you. Um, we were talking a bit about the kind of political and social aspects of tech. And I wanted to know if you'd ever sort of had any kind of like pushback or criticism uh, from kind of talking about these issues. And if you did, or if, if you, you know, if you, if you, 
happened to? Like, how would you kind of go about sort of tackling it and combating it? So I haven't gotten a lot of pushback yet, but generally like the intersection of tech and social justice gets a lot of trolling. So like I said, I speak up where and when I'm needed, but I'd say 90% of the time that means me taking a step back and amplifying the voices of others. So as I said, I, I shut up and listen. Yeah, no, uh, that makes sense. I wanted to go back to something you mentioned earlier um, about soft skills and kind of there are obviously issues with that phrase. It's it's kind of a, a slightly difficult phrase to kind of really uh, embrace, I think, uh, maybe one that we should discard as an industry. But I'm interested in kind of how you see your podcast and your work as sort of contributing or intervening in these kind of discussions about skills and sort of what kind of skills are valuable, both technical and these kind of so-called soft skills. Yeah, like how do you sort of see yourself or see your podcast as part of that, I guess? Yeah, definitely. I I think that we need to focus more on being better people before we can do our jobs better. Like, I'm a firm believer that going to work and just making money for corporations for the sake of making money, like, that's, that's not something that I want to do. Like, I want to be happy in my job. And to be happy, I have to be a good person. And to be a good person, I need to be aware of what is going on. And to be aware of how I can help movements such as, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, other movements like the LGBTQ movements, how I can amplify and help other people understand that there are these big issues in tech and they need to be talked about. Like we can't just, we can't just sweep them under the rug. Like these are issues that are happening every single day and they need to get better so that we can get better as a society, as a human race. Yeah, so I think that's uh, a really good point and very well put. And I wanted to go on to ask you, so we've talked a little bit about people's stories and listening to people, but I wanted to give you a chance to talk about the people that inspire and influence you and, and maybe even people that we should get on the podcast, like who should the industry, who should kind of the rest of the world be listening to as well? Like, like yeah, if you want to shout people out, now's your chance to do just that. Absolutely. I look up to so many people and there's not a single person that I can't learn from. As I already mentioned, Kim Creighton, I learned so much from her and her Cause the Scene movement. There are some people, Shantae Thurmond, Christina Murillo, Astrid County, Sarah Ford, Tim Banks, and Jerome Hardaway, Damian Burke. Like when it comes to Blackness, I've learned so much from them. I've learned from Coraline Ada Emke, Jamie Hampton, when it comes to transgender and queer issues. James Edward Gray is a dear friend of mine who has patiently guided me and mentored me over many, many years. I'm a huge Rain Henricks fangirl. He's quite possibly the smartest person I know. And I'm honored every time I listen to him on the podcast and learn new philosophical greatness and wisdom. We've, we play a uh, greater than code bingo. I made him a custom bingo board made by my cousin and it has names of all the people he, t- he talks about, uh, Virginia, Virginia Satir and Carl Young and, 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 
he's he's a huge philosopher name dropper and it's funny when I edit the shows I'm like bingo you know I've I'm like, oh, he here he goes. Here's Virginia Satir, words of wisdom. Here's Brene Brown. Here we go. Like, it's so much fun just to do that. You know, same with Jessica Kerr and Laurie Barth. Like, they have so many mind-blowing wisdom and takes. And, of course, I'll always be grateful to Avdi Grimm for just giving me a chance and employing my almost broke ass. Like, I can certainly 100% with absolute certainty say that I would not be here today if it weren't for for him. Like I, there's no way I would be here today. You can learn so much from Avdi. Uh, Casey Watts is a person I strive to be like when people meet me. Like he is the most welcoming, open and friendly person. His energy is just unmatchable. And John Sawyers is a, he's given up hours of his life just talking me off a mental health breakdown cliff. He's just amazing. And Sam Livingston Gray, he's the glue that holds us all together. He tells us like it is and reigns us in when necessary because as you can imagine when there's 20 people on a panel there can be disagreements among us so he's I like to call him a board member he's not on the show so much anymore but he's still very much the heart of greater than code Jacob Stobel he shows up I fell in love with Mondo Escamilla he I edited his interview on another show that I produce and I basically forcefully recruited him to be a regular on mine another person amy noel she's a badass she's a superstar like i want to be her her boot collection is to die for and her insta is like (laughs) fire she's like the hotness and like all these people like it's not so coincidentally like all the people i just mentioned are the people i've chosen to orbit my day-to-day life and podcasting slash technology inner circle these are my people (laughs) awesome yeah. list we're definitely going to include in the show notes or somewhere that yeah, list. definitely you have a twitter list already if people follow you mandy because yeah i'm gonna go straight to twitter with that list right after we get off this call <laughs> absolutely yeah just every single panelist of greater than code like i said it's not a coincidence that i've i've asked these people like please please be on my panel please be my friend please <laughs> I want to learn from you. I learn from them so much. Like, and that's, that's a big part of the reason I'm not on the show. Everyone's like, when are you going to, I'm like, because I, they say it's so much better. Like I'll do all the organization. I'll do all the planning. I'll do all the production and the editing. But as far as talking, like there are people out there much more qualified and smarter than I am to talk about these issues. Kind of like a great Gatsby kind of thing. Exactly. You know, organizing the parties. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. I also wanted to ask, um, as we sort of come to the end, um, not to take up too much more of your time, like what you're you know, most excited about for the next year. Obviously, everyone's had a sort of difficult last 12 months. Like what? where are you kind of at the moment and like what are you looking forward to? Yeah, I just look forward to keeping the show going. I'll do this until the day I die. This work is never going to be done. And I'm fortunate enough to have the resources, career, side jobs, and support to keep it running when we aren't sponsored. We do have sponsors every now and then that sponsor us for a month or two or a few weeks here and there. But largely, I'd say the work that I do is unpaid. I I don't do the show for notoriety or or so yeah. people are like, she's a good person. Like, 
I do it because like I have personally learned so much from these people. And I think that if more people, again, just shut up and listen to other people, then they have the capability to be better people themselves. And Lord, God, goddess, universe, you all know that we need more good people mm-hmm. in our lives right now. <laughs> Just kind of to end, like, uh, I think that's kind of a positive note, but I also wanted to sort of touch on what, like, what are the kind of biggest challenges that not just you, but all of us should sort of think about and like face up to as well? So I think the biggest thing is that we all need to admit you, me, myself, that person over there, we all have areas where we need to grow. We, we need to take these steps back, look at ourselves really, really freaking hard. And, and we need to not just say, oh, that's so horrible. It's horrible that that's happening. Oh my goodness. Like things like the, the Black Lives matter movement there it's not just the things that get reported on a national level on cnn and nbc like there is stuff going on every single day and we need to act and advocate every single day it's not ever gonna be a okay we're done now kind of thing like (laughs) we all need to do the work and listen to what people on the front lines of these movements tell us to do we we need to ask them what do they need from us and then we need to show up not just when the quote-unquote big things happen we need to show up every single day and we need to keep showing up every single day. And for white listeners, I think probably both Manny and I can strongly recommend a great starting point is to sign up for Kim Creighton's Aunt being anti-racist courses. They're both, there's three different courses at work and intro and at home. And I think it's a really good way to give yourself that basic knowledge you need to learn to listen better and more actively. And then, because it's ridiculous, we have a movement called Black Lives Matter because they more than matter. And it's ridiculous that saying something like that is just you know, a controversial statement. Of course their lives matter, but how can we amplify them more? Yeah, it's it's to me it's why why do we even have to say this these things? Like it should be something that's already ingrained in all of us. I guess that's a good place to leave it. Um Jennifer, have you got any more questions or anything else you want to talk about? No, I think this was great. Thank you so much Mandy and for yeah. your platform to amplify others. Thank you. And for anyone who would be interested in telling your story, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm the Ruby rep on Twitter because as we all know, my name is kind of already taken, unfortunately. (laughs) So um, the Ruby rep on Twitter, or you can email me at Mandy at greater than code.com. I want you to tell your story. I will give you a platform to do that. Yes, absolutely. Um, Do reach out to Mandy if you've got a story to tell or you're in the tech industry. Um, I'm sure you can have a great conversation and, you know, I know that Mandy will help you tell your story. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening. Um, Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at underscore talkabouttech. Um, You can visit the website, which is Talk About Tech Podcast. Obviously, as always, you can follow us on all of your whatever kind of streaming site you like to get your podcast. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the rest of it. Um, We'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, um, thanks for listening. And thank you, Mandy, for talking to us. Thank you so much. 